0: Have you ever been told to do something and you've gone, why? Why should I do that? And they've just gone, because I told you to. Because I told you to do it, that's why. Yeah, but that's not a reason. Well, it is because I told you to. I told you to clean your room. Why? Because I told you to. Thanks, mum. Appreciate that. And do you know what's mad? Is it does my head in, yet I find myself saying it. And I have said it to a number of you. I say it on a Friday night. Can you get down from there, please? Why? Because I told you to. Like, I say it all the time. And it frustrates me that I say it. But there is a reason behind why we say it. You see, we look at that phrase, we say it because we're saying, I've got authority, therefore you need to do it. Our parents say it because they're saying, I am your parent, you have to do what I say. So there doesn't need to be a reason, you just need to do it. And I want to explore this phrase and unpack it a little bit. Because I think God might want to speak to us, about 2018 through this phrase because I told you to and I've got to be honest I'm going to credit that I've um, borrowed bits of this talk quite a lot of this talk um, from a guy who's a, a leader in America he's called Levi Lusco, um, and I've borrowed a lot of what he did in a talk that I listened to on a podcast and I thought as I was listening to it I thought God was speaking to me and felt like this might be something that God might want to speak to you guys as well. And we're going to do it a little bit differently. We're going to unpack a Bible verse together. um, And we're not going to read it all in one go. And then I'm going to talk to you about it. We're going to unpack it as we go, which is a little bit different. And it comes from Matthew 8. And it's going to be up on the screen. But you can, if you want to make a note that it's in Matthew 8, and you can check that I'm not lying later, and then that's great. But it's going to come up on the screen. We're starting in verse 5. And it says this, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. A centurion is like a Roman officer, essentially. Um, Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Now, I've never been paralyzed. I've never been paralyzed. But I have had that moment, you know, when you're asleep and dreaming, but you can't move and you're dreaming that you can't move or like you're running away from somebody and all of a sudden you can't, like, you just go really slow. Has anyone else ever had that or is it just me and I'm losing my mind? Wave at me if you've had that. Good. Do you know, a couple of months ago, I was having one of those dreams where I was trying to get away from somebody and I couldn't move. And I was like straining and tensing in my dream and I was stressed and anxious and warmed up. And in my dream, I was screaming. But in bed, I was just like... But then all of a sudden... I woke up, and I was still, like, in my head, I was still in the dream, but in reality, I was awake. And what happened was, I I flung upright, and I just went, dead loud, like, at three o'clock in the morning. Poor Laura was, like, terrified. The dog was, like, wondering what had happened. I was like... Sorry, it was just a dream. I just went back to bed. But that feeling of being like, it's called sleep paralysis is what it's called. And, and it's horrible. It's really frustrating and it's really terrifying. I cannot imagine what it must be like to be paralyzed permanently. But this is what that guy had in this story. He had that sense of he couldn't move. He sat there thinking, I want to get up and make a cup of tea. But he couldn't because he was paralyzed. Like, it must be so awful what this guy is going through. And it carries on in verse 7. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? That would be wonderful, please, Jesus. That's why I'm here. Like, talk about asking the obvious question. But then... In verse 8, the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Then why on earth has he gone to Jesus? Why has he gone to Jesus and gone, oh, my servant's suffering. He's, got, he's, got, um, he's paralyzed and he's really suffering. Would you like me to come and heal him? Oh, I don't deserve for you to come under my roof. What's he playing at? Why is he doing that? You see, the uh, Roman centurion, anyone who wasn't a Jew was known as a Gentile. And Jews believed that um, if they went into a Gentile's home, they would become defiled. They would become unclean. It was like they had nits and no one would want to go near them. And it would take three days of ceremonial washing and combing in order for them to become clean and acceptable to God. Again, that's what Jews believed. Jesus didn't believe that, okay. But that's, that's what this Gentile is saying. He's saying to Jesus, I'm a Gentile, you're a Jew. My house, I don't want you to come into my house and have to go through the stress of three days of ceremonial washing and all that nonsense. I'm not worthy of you coming to my house. Do you know what? That kind of attitude is really ugly to God. You know, it doesn't matter where you were born, the color of your skin, your gender. We are all acceptable and loved by God. And it breaks my heart when we see a world that says, you're, you're this kind of colour or you're from this kind of background or you're this or you're that. You can't come into my house. You can't be friends with, with me. You can't come into my country. I'm going to build a wall. That kind of attitude is ugly to God because God is inclusive. And we are called to be loving and acceptable. You know, it's mad. We're all made from dust. Like, we're we're all made from the dust of the earth. That's how God made, originally made humans from the dust. That's why at funerals they say, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Because we return if we're buried or, or cremated. We go back to being dust. Like, why should we treat people differently just because they're a different shade of dust to us? It is absolutely absurd, isn't it? Like, we are called to be loving and acceptable of everybody. And it goes on, carries on in verse 8, and it says, But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, Go, and he goes. And that one, Come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, Do this, and he does it. Now, this is fascinating. Because here, this guy says to Jesus, Just say the word. And he will be healed. Now, Jesus was always present when he did miracles up until this point. So he was there at the wedding when water was turned into wine. He was there on the hillside when um, 5,000 or more people were fed with a a boy's lunchbox. He was there when the guy got healed at the pool. He was there when blind Bartimaeus got healed. He was there when the woman with the bleeding got healed. He was always present for his miracles. Yet this Roman centurion gets there and says, oh, Jesus, you don't need to be in the room. If you just say he'll be healed, you just say the word, then it's done. Like, this guy is making it up as he goes along. It is absolutely bananas when you think about it. He's going to Jesus, oh, Jesus, if you just shake your right arm and then do the Gangnam style, like, he'll be healed. Like, he's coming to Jesus and telling Jesus what to do. He's telling Jesus, if you just say the word, my servants will be healed. Do you know, just because you've never seen God do it before, it doesn't mean that in 2018 it can't be done. Just because you have never prayed for somebody in your school, it doesn't mean that you can't see that happen this year. Just because you've never heard God speak to you, it doesn't mean that that can't happen this year. Just because you've never had had somebody invited and they've come along to church, it doesn't mean that in 2018 that can't happen. You see, this guy is saying, "Jesus, I believe in you so much. I trust you. I have this much faith in you that if you say the word, I believe it will happen, and it will come to pass. It will happen." You see, Jesus hadn't done it before, but yeah, this guy was saying, "You know what, Jesus? You can do long-distance healing because I believe in you. It's a, it's incredible that kind of faith." And you know, I think that phrase, "say the word," is interesting. Because he's saying, God, if you, Jesus, if you just say the word, it will happen. Do you know, I reckon, I reckon if we, when we open our Bibles or when we come to spend time with God, it's coming before God and and going, would you say the word? Would you speak to me? You know, I think sometimes we can be quite complacent with church. We have got an incredible church here. The facilities on this youth floor alone are better than any youth facilities I've ever seen in any other church in the country. We have got a phenomenal uh, musicians team right across the life of our church, in the adults and in the young people and in the kids. We have got phenomenal staff and volunteers. Leon, who's our senior pastor, is a brilliant communicator, a phenomenal church leader. We are... Are part, I'm fortunate to be part of such an excellent church. And I think so often, and I'm guilty of it as well, we come to church and we're complacent. And we're like, oh, I don't like that song. Oh, it was a bit flat. Oh, the lights weren't right. And we can become complacent. And I think what we need to be doing is we need to be coming to church, coming to threads, coming to crews, coming to whatever it is that we're attending, and saying, God, would you say a word? God, would you speak to me? Would you speak a word to me into my current situations, into my circumstances, into my thoughts, into my worries, into my hopes, into my dreams? God, would you say the words? He's coming with an expectation, and I think we need to come with that. You know, I think if we, if we lifted our eyes from what we haven't seen God do yet and fix them on the possibilities of what God could do, I think 2018 could be very, very different for us. Let's move on. In verse 10, it says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. But he said, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed, which is incredible. Like, think about it. Jesus kind of created the universe. Like, it must be pretty hard to amaze Jesus. But Jesus sees this guy's faith and is amazed. There's only two records of Jesus being amazed in the Bible. This moment and a time where people had a lack of of faith. You see, their, people's faith and trust in him is amazing to Jesus. You are all exhibiting faith right now because you are sat in a chair. You have put faith in that chair to hold your weight. You didn't come in and start tapping the chair and testing it. You walked in and you sat on a chair. Why? Because experience tells you that you can put your faith in a chair because experience tells you that that chair will hold your weight and won't suddenly collapse at the drop of a hat. Like, you can put your faith in a chair because experience has shown you that. And, you know, I think we can put our faith in Jesus, but sometimes what happens is we approach Jesus and we're like testing it, we're wobbling it, we're like, okay, did Jesus say that? Jesus, did you really say that? Like, and we, we, we. Uh, We're cautious of putting our faith in Jesus. But actually, what we need to do is just put our 100% faith in Jesus and just put all of our weight onto him and just trust him. That's what faith is. And faith is amazing to Jesus. Well, uh, wouldn't it be great if we could amaze Jesus with the faith that we put in him? That would be incredible. And then it goes on to say, right there, it says, And said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. This is like shots fired. All right, this is Jesus having a go at some other people here. Because he's saying, Truly I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel. Israel was God's chosen nation. The father of Israel, God's chosen nation, was Abraham, a man known for faith. And Jesus is saying, I have not seen anybody in all of Israel over the past thousands of years that Israel has been going, I have not seen anybody with such faith as this guy who we all say is not part of the Jewish nation and not part of God's chosen people. Jesus is throwing a little dig at the religious people and he's saying this guy shows more faith than any of you over there. Jesus is pointing out that this guy, Has faith. And I think sometimes we can get arrogant and think, well, it's all right, I'm a Christian, I know how to follow Jesus. Like, let's not be arrogant. Let's be put on our 100% faith in Jesus. Let's not get complacent. And then finally, in verse 13, then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done, just as you have believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. Imagine being the servant. He didn't know what was going on. He just thought that his master had gone out to get some milk or to get, you know, some essential oils or like this new new age way of healing him. Like he just thought his, his, his master was out and he's lying there paralysed and all of a sudden he's healed and he's better. It's not like Jesus says, okay, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to spit on a hanky. When you get back, rub it on him and then he'll it'll, it'll be better. Like, he doesn't say, okay, let's we'll, we'll pray for him, or go go back, pray for him, and he'll get better. Jesus says he, he will be healed, and he was healed at that moment. Imagine how bonkers that would have been for the for the servant, just all of a sudden thinking, I'm going to make a cup of tea. I've been wanting a cup of tea for 10 years. I'm going to make a cup of tea. And he gets up, because he's suddenly healed. It is absolutely amazing, this story, when we dig into it a little bit, and there's, There's tons that I could focus on. But I want to zoom in on one particular thing. And it is in verse 9. And we've already read it. and I kind of skimmed past it. But it says this, Josh, if you could put it on. It says, for I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go. And he goes. And that one, come. And he comes. And I say to my servant, do this. And he does it. You see, what this guy is unpacking here is he understands authority. He understands what authority is about. And he's saying, I I understand that you you are a man under the authority of God, but you have authority over other things as well. Just like he is a man under the authority of the commanders or the officers of his army, but he has authority over others in the army as well. He understands it. And I think for us, we struggle with authority, don't we? I struggle with authority. We don't like that phrase because I told you to. Because we don't like authority. We don't like just doing as we've been told. We like to know why. We like to know why we've been asked to do something. We, I think, we really struggle as a society and a culture with authority. I think that's why we ask the why question. When somebody asks us to do something, we want to know why. Because we, as a culture, struggle with authority. But you know, this guy knows and understands authority. He knows that he's under it and he knows that he has it over people. You see, he has authority because he knows how to be under authority. You see, we love getting you fired up and talking to you about how you can change the world, how you can invite your mates, how you can see amazing things happen in your school, in your, in your clubs, in wherever you go, you can see amazing things happen. But I think we can only see that stuff when we understand authority. And I think it's not a comfortable topic to be talking about this morning. I would rather be talking about how you can go and do all of that and inspire you and whip you up. But I really feel like God is calling us this morning and started this year to understand authority more. So number one, point number one, there's only two points, so you'll be all right. And point number one is that God is the author of authority. You know, you can't spell authority without author. God is the creator of authority. Let me give you a promise. In your life, you will encounter people in authority that wind you up. In your life, you will encounter leaders, people who are in charge that you disagree with, that you don't like. There will be teachers that do your head and There was teachers in my school that did my head in. One of them was called Mr. Lynch. He was my English teacher, and I swore he used to pick on me, and he used to treat me differently to the way he treated everybody else. And I used to tell my mum and dad that, All the time. And when I went on parents' evening, he was bald, but he had about six long hairs on his head. And on parents' evening, I wasn't listening to him. All I was looking at was those six long hairs stood on his bald head, and I couldn't stop laughing. And I was just, I didn't like him because I felt like he picked on me. You will all have times where you think your parents are being unfair and you disagree with their authority. There will be times when you have fell out with youth leaders here because you disagree with them as leaders or disagree with the decisions they have made. I can guarantee wherever you are, whether it's teachers, parents, youth leaders, line managers, bosses, friends, there will be people that wind you up because of the authority that they carry. And I'm not talking... I need to be careful here. I'm not talking about when people um, are abusive or harmful. That is a different topic, okay? And God has given us the police and the the, um, authorities and the government to protect us and has put things in place for those. But I'm talking about when we disagree with leaders. And it can make you feel like when you you have friction with a leader, when you feel frustrated with them as a teacher, you can feel like you're just going to ignore them or you're just going to push back. Or you're just going to undermine them and slag them off behind their back and all of that kind of stuff. And let me tell you, it is really important that we don't do that. You know, I remember when Laura had a job that, that wasn't here. And I was really frustrated with her line managers because they didn't treat her well. In fact, one Christmas, they made her work on Christmas Day, even though she didn't need to be there. And it frustrated me. And it wound me up. And I was like, just don't go. They want you there, but there's nothing, there's nothing for you to do there. There's no reason for you to be there. They're not going to miss you. Just don't go. Just, just deal with it in January and tell them to do one. Like, there was times where I would be like, I wanna, I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to tell them what I really think of them. Like, I was, I was doing that and I was getting really frustrated and I was ready to kick off. But Laura was way better than me. Laura understood authority in a way that I didn't yet. You see, Laura was like, I might, not, I might not agree with what they're saying. I might not agree with the way they go about things, but I am called to be under their authority. Therefore, I'm going to go along with it, and I'm going to be obedient. You know, that taught me a lesson, and I've been learning lessons about authority. This has been a challenging topic for me to learn in the last 10 years, and I just think it's really important that we understand that God gives authority. In fact, in Romans. 13 it says this let everybody if we can have it on the screen please josh in romans 13 it says if we got it yeah let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which god has established the authorities that exist have been established by god that means anybody who has authority only has authority because god has given them authority they only have authority because God has given authority. You might be saying, yeah, but you don't understand my form, tutor. He is an absolute moron. God's given them authority. You think, well, you don't understand my parents. They unreasonably asked me to clean my, my room three times a day. God has given them that authority. You know, you might say, but you don't, you don't know Theresa May. She's a terrible prime minister. God's given her that authority. You might think, you don't know Jeremy Corbyn, he's an absolute loser. God's given him that authority. You might think, but you don't know Donald Trump. He is an absolute nut job. God has given him that authority. Do you know what's interesting is Paul, who wrote the book of Romans, is writing it in a time where he was under the authority and the leadership of a nation by a guy who was called Emperor, uh, sorry, Caesar Nero, like Cafe, only he was a Caesar version. And he was a guy who used to burn Christians alive. And Paul is saying that God, people only have authority unless God has given it to them. We need to come under that authority because God has given them that authority. It is challenging. It is mind-blowing. But that's why we say you've got to pray for your leaders because God has put them in that authority, in that place. And we might disagree with them. Yes, we might disagree with them, but we are called to be under the authority that God has put us under. You know, how we deal with human authority shows how we will deal with God's authority in our life. How we respond to human authority will affect how God gives us authority in the future. You might not think that you have Authority, but you are a person who is under authority, and you are a person who has authority. Jesus said to us, All authority has been given to me, to Jesus, therefore I give it to you. You have authority in your life, you have authority in places, but the way that you respond to authority above you determines how much authority God will give you in your life. It is so important that we understand that God is the author of authority, that we respect those, that we listen, that we, um, we pray for those who are in authority. We pray for Leon. We pray for our youth leaders. We pray for our teachers, our parents, because being in authority is not easy, but we must respect it, and we must serve that authority. You know, you might disagree with us about the summer and feel pretty frustrated with us. I want to say, let's deal with it in the right way come and speak to us. Let's deal with it. Let's not go undermining authority and, and responding in a negative way. Let's work through this together because how you respond will affect how much authority God gives you in the future. My final point, uh, my second point, is God is the ultimate authority. You know, I love iPhones and we can customise them. We can, uh, you know, I can tell, if you lined up 100 iPhones, that are all the same as mine. I could tell which is mine because I know what apps are on my phone. Okay, I know that I have my apps sorted into folders and they're all alphabetically ordered. My phone is really uh, organised. Laura's is an absolute nightmare. She's got 3,527 unread emails and notifications are all over the place. Uh, she's got folders, but they're all in higgledy-piggledy order. It is outrageous and it drives me mad. But we can customise our iPhones, can't we? We can... We can customize our smartphones and put apps on them or change the background, change the ringtone. And there are certain apps that I can't get rid of, like stocks. Why have I got stocks on my phone? Do you know what I mean? I've never gone to the toilet for a poo and thought, I wonder how the is doing. Like, I have never thought to, you know, been sat waiting for the bus and thought, I wonder how the Dow Jones is getting on. Like... I don't know anything about stocks other than those two things that I just mentioned there. Like, why on earth have I got stocks on my phone? If I could delete it, I would. But Apple, who are the authority of iPhones, are telling me that I have to have stocks on my phone. So what do I have to do? Just get on with it. And it's organized in my Apple folder, and I never look at it, and I never open that app. But, you know, I think we often treat our obedience to God Like an iPhone. And we go, Oh, God said that, but I can customize it. I can do what I want. And yes, all of our lives are a bit like iPhones in that they're really different. You know, my calling and the way I'm going to live my life and the way I follow Jesus is going to be different to the way that Dan follows Jesus, to the way that Lydia follows Jesus, to the way that Elliot follows Jesus. My life is going to be different, but there are certain things that are just the same that God says, This isn't an option. You know, I, I want to be honest with you, Life Central Youth. There are things in the Bible that I wish weren't there, that I look at and I read and I think, do you know what, life would be so much easier as a youth leader if that thing weren't there. That, there are things that I think my life would be so much more simple if, if the Bible didn't say that thing. There are some things in the Bible that I think I wish they weren't there, but the reality is they are. And if God is the ultimate authority, I have to choose to come under that authority. And you know when I get to heaven, I will ask God about it and I'll say, God, why did you put that? It would have been so much easier in 2018 for me to lead young people if you hadn't put that there or that thing or that thing or this thing. But you know what? I have a feeling when I get to heaven it won't matter. But you know, if we want to follow Jesus, we have to understand that God is the ultimate authority and we're called to come under that authority and that means obedience, which is not a popular word. You know, Jesus said it himself in John 14, verse 15. He said, if you love me, keep my commands. That should come up on the screen there, Josh. If you love me, keep my commands. See, Jesus, I think we've got to be really careful that this doesn't become about what I should or shouldn't do, okay? And, and it doesn't become legalistic and all of that. And it be, like following Jesus isn't all about the rules. It's about a relationship it is about if we love Jesus then we keep his commands you know if I love my wife she said she, Laura was away in Manchester this week and she said before she went can you try and keep the house uh, clean and tidy If I love my wife, I will obey that command. That is why I got up 20 minutes before Laura arrived back at the house and I cleaned and tidied like I've never cleaned and tidied before because I love my wife and I will obey her commands. And Jesus is saying, if you love me, obey my commands, keep my commands. You know, we're called to be under the authority of God. What if 2018 looked like a year of obedience for you? What if 2018 you said, God, whatever you say, I'm going to go with? God, I understand that you are the ultimate authority. Therefore, I am going to come under your authority. I am going to be obedient to whatever it is that you say. God, when you speak, I'm going to do it. When I feel challenged, I'm going to act on that challenge. What if 2018 was a year where you, like the centurion, put your 100% faith in God? and said, God, I'm not, I'm not going to do the whole, are you really there, God? God, if, if you're really saying that, then can you make five red cars drive past now? But just going, God, God you've said it. Right, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to put my 100% faith in you. What if you did that in 2018? One way that you can, you can begin to do that, and it's not the way, but one way that you can maybe say to God, this year... I am going to make this a year of obedience, um, is by being baptized. You know, Jesus is really clear about baptism. He says it in Matthew 28 verse 19, and it's going to come up on the screen. It says, therefore go and make disciples. He's talking to the disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus says, if we're to be disciples, we are to be baptized. That means if If you are a Christian and you call yourself a follower of Jesus, Jesus says we are to be baptized. Now, I know for lots of you, it's a pretty big deal. But Jesus commands us to do it. And he is the authority. And we have been thinking about this as a leadership team in our church. um, And we've been chatting about it. And one of the things that we know is a big barrier for people being baptised is getting up and sharing their story and standing on stage with a microphone and saying, this is my story, this is how I became a Christian, blah, 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 isn't that amazing? And everyone applauds, and then we chuck you in the water. We know that that is an obstacle for people, and we are now removing that obstacle because Jesus doesn't say You need to get up on a stage, share your story, and then be baptised. Jesus says we've got to be baptised. So if that is an obstacle for you, if you don't want to share your story, but you know that you need to be baptised, you can do that without sharing your story. Okay, We would love to record your story in some shape or form, either by writing it down. Um, or filming you if that is, is something that you wanted to do if you want to share your story we would love to hear your story but we're saying you don't have to and we're making that really clear and we have a phenomenal opportunity in three weeks time on the 28th of January is that right 28th of January and we have a baptism service coming up and you will be able to be baptized without sharing your story if that is something that you want to do what a What a terrific way to start the year by saying, God, I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to show you that this year is going to be a year of obedience by being baptized and taking the plunge and getting on with it. But for others of us who've been baptized or you might not be ready to say that yet, maybe you could make a commitment and say, God, I, I want to be more obedient this year. I want to respond to what you're saying. God, I want to understand authority. Maybe you need to say, Do you know what? If you've given authority to my teachers or whoever, God, I'm going to find a way to submit to that authority. I'm going to find a way to deal with the authority that I find difficult. God, would you help? Would you do in me what needs to be done in me? Those kind of things. Dan, why don't you come up and join us? You know, we're going to sing a song together that may well be quite new um, to a lot of you. Um, It's a song called So Will I uh, by Hillsong. And we have ummed and for a long time about singing this song in uh, youth. Um, we love it as a lot of the leaders. We really like it. Um, it's a bit different. It's not necessarily got a chorus to it. It's a little bit wordy. Um, but actually, the, the, the theme of the song is it says things like, If creation sings your praises, then so will I. If the rocks cry out in worship, so will I. If the mountains bow down before you, so will I. And what it's saying is, if all of creation is under your authority and comes under it and is obedient to you, then so will I. And I think it's a really great song off the back of what I've been speaking about for us to sing together, for us to worship together too. Um, So what we're going to do is why don't you stand to your feet? And Dan is going to sing it and lead us in that. And you know, you you might want to try singing along. Some of you might know it. You can sing along. The words will be on the screen. Maybe you know that you need to respond to something and you need to maybe do a bit of business with God and and spend a bit of time talking with God. You can do that during this song and spend a bit of time praying or maybe you just want to read the words for a little while and when you think you've got the gist of the song, you could join in. But let's together say, Do you know, if the whole world is under your authority and is obedient to you, then so will I. So will I be obedient. So will I do as I'm told. So will I be under your authority, God.